0: Hi, it's Monday night, and fortunately, uh, Gideon, Miller, Gideon Miller, a couple weeks ago, um, was generous enough to sponsor three. He said, "When if I don't have anybody on any particular night to use his sponsorships, that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm all out of um, sponsors, so uh, I hope by this time next week, obviously, people will step forward, but uh, without any further ado, so I'm thanking him, and without any further ado, I'll take a look at the Haftorah this week, which is what's on the agenda. And this is actually a very hard Haftorah, because it's from the book of Yechezkel. And if you're bored with the tzava, you know, the details of the base of English. You're going to find a lot of the same sort of stuff over here in the Haftorah today. That's obviously why they put it for the Haftorah. <clears throat> However, in my opinion, and you know, I, I, I never stop saying, I'm just giving you the way I understand it. Um, you actually have something quite remarkable over here, because um, the book of Yechezkel, as I've said many times, is by a prophet who was there um, uh, in Israel as a coin, I think, even. And uh, he's carried off by the Babylonians in round one, in the Golas Yehoyachim, uh, ten years before the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed. And he is in Babel when he's getting all these Nebuas, and he's foretelling the destruction of the and all kind of other stuff. <clears throat> but one of the things he does, and this is what I want to talk about tonight, is he's most famous, I, I think, for his description of Bayesh Shlishi, which immediately raises the following question. How many Beis dishes are there? There's one, two, and three. Bayash Rishon, Bayesh Shani, Bayesh <coughs> is Shlomo Melch, which eventually gets destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. Agreed? Then you have something called Bayesh um, which is put up by Zerubovel and those guys just before the arrival of Ezra Nechemia. Like I always try to point out, if you read the book of Ezra Nechemia, you see they didn't build it, but they came uh, not long afterwards. <clears throat> um, and that house is the one that goes on for hundreds of years. And then that house, that Baisheni, of course, as we know, is destroyed um, by the Romans. <clears throat> before it's destroyed, it gets a complete facelift from top to bottom by Hordus, by Herod, who completely reduced the base of Mikdash. was a bloody son of a gun, and he killed a lot of Jews. But, you know, so he's a very wicked person, but the fancy base of Mikdush he did build. Even the Gemara to the problem of saying whoever ever saw the house never saw a pretty building, as I'm sure you'll recall. <coughs> but then there's the, but that also was destroyed. So what do we do now? So in Yechaskol, it's very weird what I'm saying, is having these Navuas in Bavel, of another temple, one that's coming in the future that you and I have never saw yet. And that means that here's a guy 2,500 years ago who's about to, he may have even lived to see possibly the building of the second temple, but he's already thinking of the third. When I say he's thinking of the third, God is telling you about the third. And I think many people are, even if you're not necessarily the biggest expert in the book of Yechezkel, and there aren't many of those, um, but you're aware that Hezgabay has the Vilnagon, the Tosis the, Hashanah, the and others wrote books and, and and pictures of what the thing is going to look like based on our Haftorah today and other things like that. If you want to get down to the nitty-gritty of how big the Mizbech will be and so on and so forth. Uh, that's not the part I wanted to talk about. To me, the most interesting part is at the beginning, although, um, as always with this Haftorah, everything is is truncated and chopped up. It's in chapter 10, I'm sorry, it's in Psalm 10 of chapter 43. Now, I know the chapters aren't real, but nevertheless, it's in the middle of an Indian in which he's talking about the basin base being destroyed, and eventually the Jews are going to come back. <clears throat> Something like that. The Sheena will, will return. <clears> That's <throat> Bayash Lishi. Now, um, the basic obvious question goes like this. What do you need to buy a Shani for? Let's just go for Bayash Lishi. In other words, why was it necessary to have a second temple and then be destroyed? If you're waiting for the Jewish people to do the right thing, just wait. As you and I have waited now since the destruction of the second temple, which is now 2,000 years, that's a long time. So instead of 2,000 years, it'd be 2,500. What's 500 between friends? And, But then, when it finally comes, it comes. And it's long, it's permanent. You know, it's a final gula. Not this a half-baked business called the okay, which had trouble from day one and had an up-and-down career. Why not a perfect temple, such as described in our Haftarah today and elsewhere, in the last part of the book, Yechez, all these chapters, and uh, have an ideal situation? The way, The answer, in my opinion, is at the beginning of this Haftarah when it says like this, Ata ben Adam, you know, God always speaks to it, is ben Adam. Tell the people about the future temple. <coughs> they should be ashamed of their tochnit, And then study the architecture of what it's going to look like. Which I'm about to tell you. <coughs> A very interesting pusik. And if they will have busha because, on account of their sins. Then Surasabai then show them all the details of the future temple. <coughs> Otherwise not. So basically what he's saying is like this there is a Bayishlisha, but it's only coming after Teshuva. Teshuva can only come after uh Abusha. If they reach that point, they can show them this 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 uh, uh design. Otherwise not. <coughs> so what it means, of course, is that for the by a shlisha to be built. You need a tshubah shleimah. And if you don't have that, then it's not going to happen. I. what about the fact that the Jews were still, I mean, they didn't do a tshubah shleim in the time of Zerubbabel, not in the time of Ezra Nechemia. They had their issues over there. The whole book of Nechemia is just talking about problems he has with, with the Jews. <clears throat> you know that. So how come he's talking over here About, you won't have a temple unless there's a a, a busha. My understanding goes as follows. This is already historiosophy. You know, the the, the Chochmah behind the history. Divine Chochmah. The Ba'es Rishon was destroyed. In order to get a next temple, the Jews needed to do Teshuvah, which they did not do. Let me put it this way. They didn't do thoroughly. I don't know if they did it at all. It's not recorded by us that the Kali Thrall during the period of the Gullahs, had a mass teshuva movement. We have a few little chazals to pick on. A few chazals, which are most certainly not in the Bible, particularly the holiday of Purim that's coming around the corner, where you see Kim of a Kiblu. So according to, this, to, the, to the tradition of Kim of Akiblu, Kiblu, which is an Agadita, oh, they, they you know, the Torah, B'tshuva, etc. It's okay with me, but it doesn't say that anywhere. It doesn't seem that afterwards all the Jews are on the level of Tzadikim or something like that. Um, matter of fact, even after it's all over, Mordechai is only Ratzai, the You know, you know, it goes the old Jewish problem. And so, what's going on over here? I think the shot is as follows. And listen closely. The time Yechezkel and Purim and all that this is a, roughly all the same time. The time of the Korban and the 70 years following the Korban by Risham. That's when this Navo is taking place. I mean, technically, it's a little bit before the destruction of the First Temple, but it's being foreseen. <coughs> um, the <coughs> situation is as follows. The Jews were v- doing big averas. And they were warned 10 times over. And as a result, the Beisimich was destroyed. Okay that's Nebuchadnezzar, etc. Then, they're supposed to go in the Golas, which they did, and in there, they're supposed to do teshuba Shlema. Sort of like you see in, 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 in Vayelach, Parsh where he says, you know, you'll hit rock bottom. called Moshe predicts, you'll hit rock bottom, and then, you'll start to reconsider, and then we'll begin a process of teshuba. A Toshua Shlema, if you look in the Musar books, particularly I'm thinking of the Ben Yonah, which I think everybody's familiar with. And remember he has all these little um, chapters about the ingredients of and the necessary steps of Toshua. And one of, the mo- one of the most important of them is the Busha, which I find very interesting. In the Jewish religion, the Jewish tradition... Busha is a high madrega. I know I've, I've been teaching off and all in my life. If you find a kid who did something wrong and you confront him with it and they have a busha, you know that kid is from a good family. <laughs> you understand? If they feel ashamed or something like that, that's a high madrega. The other way is to deny, to lie, to tough it out, to brazen it out. You get these inner city kids that go and shoot people, you know, the drug wars and all that. They don't care no bushahs know nothing. They do it again in a second. The only thing they regret is having been caught. <laughs> you see? The idea of being ashamed and all the rest, oh, terrible. It, it's, it's beyond, beyond. By us, it's not like that. Busha Klima, I'm paraphrasing here from Benayoni, he said that's a sign of a Torah, Torah hanashama. You see? There's something there. There's something to work with. If you feel bitter, if you did something wrong, that means the the, the the skin is not dead, so to speak. <laughs> uh, you know, it responds to pricks. If a person does something wrong and doesn't feel ashamed about it, can't feel ashamed about it, then the sham is like dead, or as we refer to it in the Jewish religion, arlas halev. You get it? Arlas halev. It can't feel anything. So, the Jews did plenty in their history to be ashamed of. Had they done a full Rabbeinu, Yonah, Teshuba, Bosnub and Echlamnu, and this and that, and K uh, you know, Kharata all over Kabbalah and all those things that they write about, then there would have happened the if I can use the term of the Bayishlishi, the one of the base then the world would be different, and all the Jews, not just a few from Baba, would have moved back to Israel, and everybody would have lived happily ever after. And they would build a base of fancy fancy delishmancy. And heck with the Gahim. And they'd all go on there uh, happily ever after. But it didn't happen that way. Instead, something different happened. Which is most interesting. What happened was that during this time, after the destruction of base of it's not 100% clear when. Maybe it's connected with porn, maybe not. That depends on how much you're paying me to tie something together for a dvartor or not. (laughs) You know, for homiletical purposes. But sometimes during this period came the famous uh, scene described in the Moryum, I think, 69, if I remember correctly, where they got rid of the Yitzhak of Odazar. They prayed to God, we can't handle this anymore. Klum el isn't that the language over here? The only reason you gave us the Yetzirah Vodah Zorah was to be able to, to have schar for resisting it. So in other words, it was addictive. The desire for idols and everything goes along with it was addictive. Uh, let me tell you something. You show me today somebody who's got a drug addiction and can just cold turkey their way out of it. Hats off to that guy. I mean, it doesn't exist. I mean, even a person smoking, which is not the same thing. And then one day simply says, I am... St- Stopping right here. I'm in awe. I, there are a few people like that I you know. You know, that's amazing. I was drinking, 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 and now I'm not not anymore. Smoking, 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 and not anymore. <clears throat> you understand? Know I mean, the imamish the had a had a, uh, an assertion of self-control, of sovereignty. I'm in charge, and we ain't doing this anymore. Now, I'm not talking, by the way, about the person who does this situationally and says... For example, they're smoking, smoking, smoking then to get a heart attack. And then the doctor says, Oh you can't smoke anymore, you'll die. So that person let's say stops smoking because they want to live. But you know, that's not what you call Teshua shlema. <laughs> you get it? That's not al Avra or Kabola That's simply bending to the to the to the hard facts of life. I think I've told this story before, I must have. But it always stuck with me. LBJ, President Lyndon Johnson back in the 60s, who was a wild and crazy guy, and an unbelievable drive, and wanted more than anything to be president. And before that, he was in the 1950s the Senate Majority Leader, Democratic Senate Majority Leader in the 1950s. And he was very famous for being brilliantly, ruthlessly successful at that job. I'm not going to go into all the details. And he worked young at being a super-politician Senate Majority Leader, and in 1955 he got a heart attack, and the doctor told him that you have to stop smoking. No, you can smoke, but you'll die. That's all. He had a bad family history with the heart and all that, and so he stopped smoking. This was in '55, and he had his operation, whatever it is, and he recovered, and he went back to work, and he didn't smoke anymore, and he went on to be reelected in the Senate. And eventually in 1960, to run successfully with Kennedy as the vice president, and he got elected. And then when Kennedy was shot, he took over and Johnson was the president, his high ambition from 63 to 69. And then he left office. And um, <clears throat> that's a long time, 63 to 69. And his top aide was Joseph Califano. That's a name from yesteryear. He was a famous Washington lawyer, you know, big liberal uh, guy, capable guy. And he was like Johnson's uh, number one or two guy on his staff. And he wrote an autobiography. And he said that, you know, he was with Johnson all the time and this and that and the other. And he's famous. He got a lot of laws passed. He was unbelievable in the Congress, you know. Uh, That now he's leaving office January 20th of sixty nine. Nixon is sworn in, and, you know, he's there for the swearing-in, and then he leaves immediately and flies back to Texas. That's how they do it. And Trump didn't do it that way, but that's how they do it. And this guy said, you know, I'm going to show I'm not a fair-weather friend, but I'm a true Blue Loyal uh, uh a follower. And I'm going to go with Johnson on the airplane, flying back to Texas just to keep company with him to show him that I wasn't with. I'm not one of these guys that as soon as you're not president, they act with you. You know, like you see sometimes, people get rich, they have a lot of friends, then they lose the money, no friends. <laughs> what happened to all your buddies? No friends. <laughs> okay. Hey, I thought we're all going out together. No, not anymore. See, so he wanted to show he wasn't like that, <clears throat> and so he said he went on the plane with Johnson, uh, and you know, the, as soon as the plane took off, so now he's ice oh, president. Because Nixon got sworn in, he's ice president. The minute the plane took off, Johnson pulled out a cigarette. <laughs> in other words, for 15 years, 14 years, he was so determined to have a political career that he wasn't smoking. But he didn't do deshuva. He didn't have bushel achlima. You know, he said, I guess I'm doing what I need to do. You know, what, what's the expression? Shalolishma. Uh, right? Shalolishma. He's doing it because. The doctor told him he'll die, he won't ever but now that he was Makayam his 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 goals, he was president and did all that stuff, he wanted to smoke. And the doctor killed him a couple years later. So that's not what they mean by Teshuva. If somebody can turn it around, then it's amazing. So if you lived in Bay Risham period and there was a vodasera everywhere, and the Taiva for what they say was so unbelievably powerful. If a person can simply go through life without worshiping an idol, that itself got you 10,000 extra points when you get to the pearly gates, when you, when you get to Shemayim. He so said, here's a Jew who didn't worship idols. High Madrega, you know, instant success in Shemayim. The problem, of course, is that nine out of ten times, it seems, most Jews succumb to the, to the, to the addiction. Whatever you want to say in the Tanakh period was not a good period. And by the time you get to late in Tanakh period, it was a bummer. The Avodah was everywhere, and the people really believed in it. And these poor guys like a Yeshay, a Yermi, a Cheskel, and so forth, are trying to preach against it, and you see the people are opposing them. Even after the Choram Beis HaMegnash, if you read the book of Yermio closely, the people are still opposing them. So, this was the situation. How are you going to get a Bayash Shlishi if everybody's in that mood? And so the leaders of Klaysra, what we call the Anshenga said to God, according to this famous story, this is Gamar and Yuma, he says, We want to change the rules. So you gave us this test, this Nisaian, to get Scarfro become Nisan, but nobody wins. Very, very few people are able to withstand the Nisayan. So it's not a game we want to play. You know, look, I don't like baseball. I'm not good at baseball. I'm good at football. Why should I play baseball? I don't want to play baseball. It's not. I'm just not good at it. I want to play football or or soccer or whatever, you know? When a person says, this, this is not a game I want to play, he said, come with me and play volleyball. I don't want to play volleyball. I'm not good at volleyball. I'm good at swimming, you know? So don't give me a test to resist the Buddha's. I'm not good at that test. What can I tell you? And the famous story is, it's along the Gattatop. I'm sure most people listening to this are familiar with that story. And the Aizah of Israel was, was, was was withdrawn. Okay? The Aizah of Israel was, was withdrawn. So, all of a sudden, the Jews no longer had a, a desire to worship idols. And indeed, from a historical perspective, it is interesting that in the Bayashini period, as far as we can tell from all the sources, Jewish as well as Greek, the Jews were talking not interested in idols anymore. <laughs> so it goes to show you, somebody did a whammy on them, because it doesn't make sense that a guy was smoking, you know, a pot or was doing heroin until Tuesday afternoon, and then at one o'clock on Tuesday afternoon, all of a sudden he's not interested anymore. Life does not work like that. It must have been a miracle of some kind in the economy. They say it was a miracle. So that is the story. Right? That's the story. Now, um the point is that if that's true, so there was no longer idols. One big impediment to building a Besamidus was removed, but they never actually cleaned out the slate and did the proper tshuva, which includes the Kharat Allah Avar, and as he puts in our pasik today, and so on and so forth. It didn't involve that. Right? It didn't involve that. They couldn't. It's like LBJ, they couldn't do it. The most you could do was just stop doing it. Stop doing it. But to really deal with what you did in the past, they couldn't deal with. Imagine somebody—I uh, don't know—was a killer or a molester. Yeah, let's say say somebody was a molester. Such things happen, and I don't want to go too much into this. But just for purposes of my muscle, suppose somebody was molesting people and then stopped. He managed stopped. So that's good. Mikano labod. <laughs> that's fantastic. But what do you do <coughs> with dealing with what you did to others until now? So, in that way, you never got a cleaning of this slate. And therefore, you could not get the Bayashlishi. Lishi. All you could get was the Bayash That's my understanding. And so, what they got was highly imperfect. It was a base of Mikdush, although, as we all know, the furniture in the base of Mikdush, which is not at all what's described in the Av today, which is talking about the Bayash the furniture in Bayoshani was uh reflective of this deficiency. As we're all aware, there wasn't an Aron, for example, or in Batumim and all this other stuff. They did the best they could. Anybody that learns human knows what I'm talking about. They did the best they could. That was called the Bayoshani, which had its ups and downs. There were so many great things that happened over there, and the many things that happened there that were not so great, you know, as I think we're all quite aware. Some of the coin goggles turned out okay, some of the coin guttures turned out definitely not okay. And this up and down, and okay and not okay, as I understand it, reflects the fact that, as I say, the Second Temple came back as a result of artificial means. It's like the Jews got a spiritual lobotomy. Uh, they didn't do it anymore. They weren't interested in it. The of heart was removed from them. Matter of fact, the Jews became the big monotheists and the enemies of idols. But that's simply because I'm just not interested anymore. You understand? It's not like I have to deal with this Tive or anything, I just don't have to type anymore. <laughs> okay? I can't even understand how I had it in the first place. The way you and I standing today, we can't understand how our ancestors could be involved over the I mean, it's, it's not like we're past that. We don't even get it. You see? Um, on the other hand, we know it was there. So, consequently, here's the Nevi yecheskel who's dealing at a high level of Nevoah. And he's dealing just before the Space Misha is destroyed, in our Haftorah today. And Hashem is telling them high ideals, but it's not going to pan out. The high ideals are in our tour today. Tell the people, Ata Ben Adam. How's it go over here? Hagit has been as a bias. Tell them about the the, the the bias, meaning the ideal bias. Okay, which I'm which I got. I'm gonna uh, sketch out for you. But we come and I'm saying, but they have to be embarrassed of all their deeds in the past. They have to deal with that. Now Rashi learns it a little bit different, but I'm, uh, this is, I like to redact better. And and the, and the uh, they this is what they're going to have to do. Uh, if they do that, <clears throat> <clears throat> Now that's quite a a um, statement. <clears throat> if they feel busho, Genuine busha from all that they did, and they did a lot of bad stuff in the bias region. Period. Okay, so they're going to have to go and deal with the past and deal with it. Then we can talk about a bias. Then you can give them the whole architect plan. Okay, then they can measure the plan. And they can see the shape of the temple, the plan, the exits, the entrance, the appearance, the laws, instructions, the entire plan, and you can set it all out there. And then he goes and, and proceeds to describe it. So, the rest of the part is simply a description of what's going to be in by Sh- Shlichy period, which as everybody knows is not exactly the way it was not by Shani at all. But that's a separate smooth And uh, um, the point I wanted to make today, which I made, is that the Iker, because the rest of it is really architectural detail, you know, how big will the hill be and how wide will the Azar be and what will be the nature of the Kohanim when they have their introductory sacrifice and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that's as interesting to us today as what I just spoke about. The first two Sukim are like atomic bombs. They have a big whammy to it. Uh, because you see long-term events. The whole Baye period, which lasted hundreds and hundreds of years, was a result of the fact that you had an artificial dealing with the problem. Uh, Adayoma said the Jewish people never got a Niklamuk Uqalashe so It's just not where we are. And consequently, we don't have a Bayesh It's a little depressing because it don't look to me that Niklamuk Uqalashe is around the corner. But maybe it is, you know. What I mean is, maybe because people are so detached from it, when they read all the stuff that happened with Ege Azov and all this other business, especially, and then the VM part in in the Tanakh, you who Nichlamu we call Hashara saw. But you see, Busha Klim is a very important; it's a prized meter in Judaism, uh, and that's what's privileged and foregrounded, as they say, in this week's Haftarah. Anyway, that's just something I wanted to share. Uh, otherwise than that, it's it's a very uh, what's the right word? A complicated. Uh, architectural type of pop tower. Once again, I want to thank Gideon. That was very nice that they sponsored grand total of three. I hope we'll get some sponsors uh, coming up soon. And with that, I wish you a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.com. Dot Rabbi